This is a reminder, you are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the TuneIn radio app. And I'm Lyle Southwell and this is... And of course we are getting into our Encounter with God 20 Million Movement Bible Study as we always do at this hour of the day. But before we do, we have a number of people calling in for the quiz and no one's got it yet, Mon, so yes, give us Lyle another clue. Yes, has figured it out though, so there is still the uh, Harrow of Hacksaw Ridge price we snapped up. But this is a third clue for this What Book of the Bible Am I? I contain five chapters. If you know the answer, give us a call, 1-800-324-843, or text us on 0491-064-669. Yeah, Lyle, just a little update. Those are also the same numbers um, to call and to text on if you would like to enter yourself into the Jindabyne Alpine Holiday um, Prize. We are giving away. It's the biggest biggest giveaway Faith of Emma's done. Um, it is up at Jindabyne, beautiful location in the Alpine Lodge there, the Adventist Alpine Lodge. We'll give you away free accommodations so you can stay there. Uh, all you have to do is call us. You don't have to be the first person. You don't have to give the right answer. All you have to do is just register your name. Um, just stick like, uh, your name in the hat, and at the end of our show, we'll be drawing it out. Not today's show, but at the end of next week. So on the 11th, we'll be drawing the name out of the hat. And, uh, yeah, the winner will be announced. So, yeah, do give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. Uh, register your name and phone number, um, it's all you need, and uh, you'll be in the running to win that Alpine holiday. And of course, uh, we're giving that Alpine holiday holiday away as a, it's kind of a bit of a way of going out with a bang, isn't it, Mon? Bit of a goodbye. Yeah, a bit of a goodbye for the breakfast show. We're super disappointed. I think we've been announcing this fairly regularly, but we will be announcing it uh, each day uh, between now and the 11th, because we really only have a few days left of the breakfast show. And so uh, at the moment, we uh, the breakfast show has become unviable. We do not have a way forward. We are looking for a way forward, but um, we are scheduled to close on the 11th of this month, which is, uh, yeah, very disappointing. If you want to uh, have your say about that, and if you've got something you'd like to share, some encouragement, so forth, that we can, uh, that we can pass on, then please do so. Um, give us a call 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669. Uh, you can also contact us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, email, any other way that you would like to be in contact with us. Anyway, moving on with our Bible study, Mon. We are in the book of Ezra, which is amazing because we're talking about history, and I love talking about history. And uh, so we have uh, just this opportunity to be digging into Persian history and Jewish history. We were talking about Ezra. Yes. And as we were talking about Ezra, we have been talking about um, the return of the exiles from Babylon and Cyrus the Persian and the decree that he makes. We're going to talk more about that decree a little bit later on. Ah, What will we look at today? Where is our Bible study heading today? Let's go to Ezra chapter 7, Mon, and can you please start reading for us in verse 1. That's Ezra chapter 7 and verse 1. One. You know, it's an interesting book of the Bible because it's one of those books that we kind of rarely do a Bible study on. I'm wondering if there's anyone out there who's ever you know, been a part of a small group Bible study that has uh, covered the book of Ezra. 
And if you haven't, then you can join the 20 million other people around the world who are studying the book of Ezra right now. Did you say verse uh, chapter 4 or chapter 7? Chapter, Ezra chapter 7 and verse 1. Sorry, I know you say it like a million times every single time, but like, I don't know, in one ear, out the next. <laughs> okay. All right, all right. Ezra chapter 7 and verse 1 says this. Many years later, during the reign of King Artaxerxes of Persia, there was a man named Ezra. He was the son of Zeriah, son of Azariah, son of Hilkiah. In other words, he was a priest. Oh, okay, right. If you understand that genealogy, Hilkiah was the high priest if you go back a little ways, and so he was a priest. Mm-hmm. That's our phone ringing here in the studio. Uh, thanks for calling up. Just give us a second. Our phones are running hot. Our producer's trying to juggle two phones at once. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, keep it coming. Keep it busy. We love seeing her running in and out of the room. <laughs> normally, we have, normally we have a separate room for our producer, but not here. We're broadcasting from Raymond Terrace Missions. So a little bit of a pop-up studio happening. But yeah, thanks for calling in. Keep it coming. Okay, where were we up to, Bon? We were reading... Uh, First one. Yes. I've read it. Keep going. Really? Do I have to? Why? It's cool. It's like it's like ten more verses of son of this person, son of that person, son. And all of them it's are the names. Best. Like, all of them are names I can't pronounce. Lyle, you're doing this on purpose. <laughs> Fine, here we go. Son of Shalom, son of Zadok, son of Ahitab, son of Amariah, son of Azariah, son of Miraioth, son of Zeharahiah, son of Uzi, son of Buki. Son of Abishua, son of Phineas, son of El- Eleazar, son of Aaron the high priest. There you go. This Ezra was a scribe who was well versed in the law of Moses. Okay, which let's the stop Lord- there for a moment. No, 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 you're not going to stop now, <laughs> just because now the, the funny words are over. Which the Lord, the God of Israel. <laughs> I only just wanted to make you read those. <laughs> I know hard you names. did. I know you did. <laughs> Vengeance is yours. <laughs> <laughs> It was not a bad job, though. I was just like, do you know what? However it comes out is how it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting names. I think he said son of Bookie, was mm-hmm. it? No B-U-K-K-I. No wonder he was a scribe being descended from that guy. <laughs> yeah. It's not a bad one, actually. Yeah. Much easier to pronounce than most of them. Bookie's pretty good. I knew a Bookie, actually. I went to school with a Bookie. Oh, really? Where was he from? She. She. Uh, okay. I think like Vietnam or something like that. Oh, okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. Bookie. Yeah. Interesting, cool. too. Yeah. Cool chick. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. Okay, so um, what you find here about Ezra, we're getting a bit of background. You know, he's been writing the book, but we are receiving some background as to uh, why, who he actually is. Now, we know that he was a scribe. That's what he's described as. But he wasn't just a scribe. He was also a priest. As a scribe, of course, he would have been a very valuable official um, to King Artaxerxes at this particular uh, period of time. And the Bible says that he was not just a scribe, but he was a quick-minded scribe. That means he had a very sharp brain, a sharp... Um, an intelligent guy? Yeah, he was, this, this, guy was, this guy was intelligent. Now, of course, in those days, literacy was very low. Mm-hmm. Um, literacy was not something that kings had. Kings, emperors, these kind of people were illiterate. They relied on scribes. Of course, if you you look at this from an archaeological perspective, most of the books have obviously long been lost because they were made on papyrus or leather, and the only place that anything like that ever is really preserved is down in Egypt. 
but a lot of the documents that they really valued, of course, they would um, write those into clay, and if it was super valued, that valuable, they would carve it into stone. And so you find emperors who would record the history of their reign or the history of their, you know, their family and so forth, and they would carve that in stone. So you've got the Byzantine rock in uh, Iran and places like that it has very long and detailed histories. Um, all been carved into stone. Lesser documents were um, placed into clay and often, you know, they would be written on cylinders or um, or prisms um, and you'd build this prism or this cylinder, whatever it might be, out of soft clay and then you would write into that using a stylus um, in cuneiform. Uh, and, of course, cuneiform was one of these languages that was a cross between uh, Egyptian, Chinese... Um, and a few other things kind of thrown in. So if you're good at reading Chinese, you could probably master cuneiform. So it was a very complex and detailed language. And so you can imagine here that uh, Ezra would have been a really, really intelligent guy. He probably spoke, spoke multiple languages, was probably able to write in multiple languages. So he's probably able to write in Hebrew, Aramaic, um, Persian, cuneiform, uh, these would, you know, to be a, to be an official court scribe, you would have to master, uh, a number of different languages. There's every possibility that he would be able to read and write in, uh, Egyptian as well, because uh, that was another major world empire. So yeah, he was, um, you just having a little chuckle because <laughs> you know how just recently there's been a spate of, um, of people coming out where they discovered that they've been phony sign languages, sign language interpreters. Like they get up the front of speeches and they interpret the speeches but they're just making stuff up. And there's been like a whole spate of them coming out, the most famous one being a South African guy who translated for um, Barack Obama at Nelson Mandela's uh, anniversary. And he was just he was just making stuff up. <laughs> Can you imagine if someone like Ezra, like he's translating for a whole kingdom, the king included, if he was just making stuff up? Like, how do you get that job? How do you, who do you prove to that you can read Egyptian and Aramaic? And all like, what happened to this guy in South Africa? They lock him up. Uh, no, but the whole country hates him. <laughs> should Google it. He just wanted so a job funny. for a day, did he? No, he's been doing it for years. He's been doing it for like five years or so. He's been fake sign languaging. All these videos surfaced of him after that, so. But yeah, it's just a, I'm just having a chuckle thinking if you were like someone like Ezra and you, you know, claimed in all these different languages, you could really have a go with this. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So I've been to these museums where they have this kind of, you know, the cuneiform and the different thing is like, you know, you kind of look at it and you're like, what, what's that supposed to say? You try and make it up based on like the pictures of what you see, you know, I don't know, let's just have a thing. Yeah, there you go. Um... <clears throat> Anyway, so moving back to Ezra, he was not just a um, a very, very intelligent person with some serious, serious skills, but we find here that uh, he would be a details focus. But you know how some people oh, just yeah. love mm-hmm. details. You, you tend to like details, Mon. You as pick as up the interesting details. <laughs> you pick up all kinds of uh, small details here and there. This guy, when you read the book of Ezra. Um, he he loved details and he loved accuracy. And so everything he recorded was recorded down to the last detail with the finest accuracy. It was just, it was all there. Okay, so we're going to go back and uh, Mon, I wonder if you could read for us. We had a bit of a uh, passage here, Ezra chapter 2. Ezra chapter 2. The whole thing? Uh, yeah, why not? 
I, I absolutely refuse. <laughs> <laughs> this chapter is mostly funny names. <laughs> okay, but it does illustrate the kind of person that Ezra was. Yeah, I can see how detailed he is. There's a whole chapter just saying this person was from this family, this person was from this family, this person... This is crazy. He has documented every single person who has, um, you know, who who has returned from exile uh, to to uh, to to Jerusalem. If you want to have a look at what I'm refusing to read, just flick open your Bible to Ezra chapter two and have a look at that whole chapter. One oh, of the last few verses are actual. Oh no. Oh yeah, a little bit, little bit of like story. Okay, so what you'll re- what you'll find is if you read through it, you'll find that um, there are forty two thousand three hundred and sixty people there. Wow. Um, not including servants and handmaids. Wow. Um, among them are twenty four thousand one hundred and forty four ordinary men. That's fifty seven point twelve percent men. That's going to create a bit of a problem. We're going to find out what kind of a problem that creates later on in the story. There were 12,452 women and children. That's just 30%. There were 4,289 priests. That's 10%. uh, 10.15%. There were 74 generic Levites. uh, That's 0.018%. 128 singers. uh, 0.3%. 139 gatekeepers. 0.33%. Uh, these were specific roles um, of Levites in the Holy Temple in Jerusalem that have been passed on from one generation to another. That's the singers and the gatekeepers, so just in case you're wondering uh, who they were. There were 392 Nethanim, um, 0.93%, and 652 people who could not tell their fathers' houses and their ancestry, being 1.54%, and 90 other people, 0.21%, um, who just joined in because they just uh, join in um, to complete the, uh, the your total number of forty two thousand three hundred sixty. Um, there were seven thousand three hundred and thirty seven servants and handmaids um, joining in, and actually boosted up to forty nine thousand six hundred and ninety seven. There were seven hundred and thirty six horses, one for about every sixty eight people. Two hundred and forty six mules, one for every two hundred and two people. 434 camels, one per 114 people, and 6,720 donkeys, one for every seven people. All listed there in great detail um, and marked off uh, just exactly as it was. So that gives us a bit of an idea of uh, Ezra. You know, he has, uh, it would take you a little while and you would have to be particularly interested to do a count that accurate where you actually count. All the number, the, the entire number of people, their different houses, their different families, uh, their different roles, their different callings, all of the animals that went with them. He has particularly counted the uh, the transport animals, uh, which was mostly made up of donkeys. So there was one donkey for every seven people, um, and uh, and off they go. However, if we take a look at this account, which is very, very detailed here, it's going to tell us some things about the people that go back. First of all, they are going back in abject poverty. Okay. So I want you to think about this for a moment. Um, And because if you've got, um, you know, one donkey for every seven people, 
you're not carrying a lot of goods with you. Yeah, no. Um, if you've only got one mule for every 200 people, one horse for every 68 people, and one camel for every 114 people, then you actually have very, very little opportunity for transporting uh, goods and equipment. I was wondering about that because I was like, that's not a lot of, it's actually not a lot of animals. Yeah. So basically what they're doing is they are taking with them what they can carry on their back. So they've been living in the land of uh, Babylon now for between uh, 40 and 70 years, depending on when they first arrived there. Um, but they have, um, you know, they're heading back and they would have built up wealth because Jewish people do that. That's what they do is wherever they go, they build up wealth. They're going back without anything. Okay, the other thing that we need to take into consideration in this return is that all of the vessels of the temple of God that were still in existence that Nebuchadnezzar had taken captive and placed into his treasure house had been returned to them. So they're heading back with a massive treasure and that treasure would have been carried on those animals and so the vast majority of these people and their families would have been traveling without anything other than what they put on their backs. Which is, you know, it's a big effort when you stop and think about it. It would have been like a really exciting time for them. Yeah. Can you just imagine? Just pack up your whole house and go. Well, as much as you can carry on your back. Pack up a backpack and go, really. Yep. Absolutely. It's a little bit like, you know, you sort of think about in the early days, the pioneering days here in Australia, you know, during the gold rush days, for instance, you got stories of like, you know, this guy who was in Melbourne, they, they discover, um, I think it was gold in Kalgoorlie or whatever, and, and, and he, um, he um, loads up a wheelbarrow and walks there. Um, and digs and finds gold, saves up enough money to come back and get his family, comes back, gets his family, uh, but he's, and he's got enough money for, um, to pay for their fare, you know, their, their, their boat fare to Perth and, and then transport out to Kalgoorlie, but not for himself. And so he buys another wheelbarrow and walks back again and he ended up, ends up crossing the Nullarbor like four times with a wheelbarrow. It's amazing. You know, <laughs> you sort of wonder how did people do it back in the day, but that was the way it was done. You know, you just pick up a wheelbarrow and start walking. Off you go. Off you go. Um, these days, if somebody did that, it would make the headlines and people would be following them on Instagram and Twitter wherever they went. It's That's like this guy's pushing a wheelbarrow across the Nullarbor Desert, whereas back then it was kind of the normal thing you just did. Mm-hmm. There was nothing exceptional about it at all. Okay, so they are heading off. They're heading off there with, um, you know, with not very much at all. And Zerubbabel has taken down in great detail um, all of the uh, information about those people heading back. Okay, with the return of the exiles, how many returns of the exiles, Derek, and there may have been, Mon? Oh, it's a couple of million. No, less than, maybe like one million. Uh, no, nah, not, not people, but how many waves? Oh, waves. Yes. Okay. So you, oh, three? Yeah, three, possibly four. Okay. Okay, so the first one appears to be, and we have very little information about this. Oh, um, wait, so when, hang on. So when you said these people, for 40, like 40, 45,000, that, that was just one wave? That was, that was the whole total? That was one wave. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's one wave. Okay, so maybe not millions then. Because <laughs> there's only three waves, that wouldn't be a million. It seems that there was another wave beforehand of a thousand young men who went across to sort of, um, you know, earlier in that same year mm-hmm. to uh, <coughs> pave the way, get a little bit of basic infrastructure in place in preparation for the main wave, and they went back under a man by the name of Shesh Bazaar. Did Ezra... 
um, record all the waves or just this one? He records them all. Okay. Um, so if you in Ezra chapter one, you find um, about uh, Shesh Bazar, who was a prince of Judah. So by calling him a prince of Judah, we know that he was a descendant somehow of King David. Mm-hmm. May not have been a direct descent, but he was a descendant of King David. And he was the man who was actually entrusted with all of the treasure for the house of God, mm-hmm. for the temple. And it seems that he went back with about a thousand young men to sort of pave the way, set up some basic infrastructure in preparation for the big return of the exiles later in the year. And then you have Zerubbabel. It seems to, that there's a relationship between the two. Uh, possibly Sheshbazar was Zerubbabel's father. We don't know. Um, but we do know that Zerubbabel was also of royal descent. Um, he was somebody who um, was a descendant of David, and so he has been entrusted with um, being a um, yeah a a governor there in the land of Judah. We're going to have a quick song break. This is Audrey Assad.
Welcome back to The Breakfast Show. You're listening to Lyle and Mon this morning. We are all the way in our Encounter with God segment, our Bible study, our 20 million movement. We are having a look at the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, or books of, I should say, Ezra and Nehemiah. And a clue for the quiz has been snapped up. They're not the clue for the quiz. The quiz has been snapped up. The quiz has been snapped up. The quiz has been snapped up. Um, by who? Jeff. 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 Good on you, Jeff. Congratulations, uh, Jeff. The answer, of course, was the book of First Thessalonians. Um, but you know what? We're, gonna, we're not going to stop there. We're going to launch straight into our next quiz, which is also a what book so of So it was mine. Jeff from East Gosford. Oh, good on you, Jeff. From um, East Gosford. The next uh, quiz, what book am I? You, you know where he's from. Is it East Gosford <laughs> by chance? <laughs> what book am I? Clue number one. The word covenant is found most often in this book of the Bible, a total of 29 times. Do you know what that is? No, Lyle is so wrong. Oh, I am not. You are so wrong. I I'm am so not wrong. About it. Give me a call if you... You just misread what I wrote in the air. I, I know exactly what you wrote in the air. You're wrong. I'm not wrong. You are wrong. I am not. I am absolutely not. Give me a pen. So I can write this down properly. Give that man a pen. Anyway, give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843, if you know the correct answer. Uh, you can win the prize this morning, and I didn't pull a new prize out of the prize box, so I'll tell you what it is later. You, you're going to have a crack there, Lyle. You're going to write it down with your left hand because you bunged your right arm up because you're a bit silly sometimes. <laughs> I know that. I, saw that's, I knew that's what you wrote, and the answer is no. How high could it be to not, figure out what that means in the air? Like I, I know, do not believe you. Well, you are super duper pooper scooper wrong, so ha. The quiz is wrong. Give us a call. I'll give you double prizes. Double prizes. Quiz, quiz is wrong. Quiz, quiz is wrong. Quiz is right. Lyle is wrong. Double prizes today. Anyway, where are we going? We are talking about... So 1-800-324-843 is the number to call uh, if you know the answer to that for double prizes right now. Uh, let's see if you can get the wrong answer but the right one according to the quiz. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. Okay. Ah, oh, you know what? I mean? Maybe I was wrong. Maybe it's I was wrong. Now, isn't Maybe it? I was Maybe wrong. Can't concentrate. Yeah. Focus, Lyle. Focus. Okay. Okay. I might even be at the wrong end of the Bible yet. We'll see how we go. All right. Where are we up to? We are talking about the return of the exiles, and so we have uh, Shesh Bazar's return. Then we have Zerubbabel's return. But when Zerubbabel comes back with uh, what was it? What did we say? It was forty-nine thousand. Where was it? Where did I write that down. It was right here in front of me. 49,697 people. Um, and X amount of animals. We won't go into that. When So that was the first big one. Ezra did not go with them. Okay. Because he was with, according to um, Jewish history, he was with Barak, the scribe, who was a um, servant of Jeremiah, the prophets. Mm-hmm. And Barak was in his old age, and he had to look after Barak in his old age. He was kind of like his carer at this particular time. And so he couldn't go back. So you can imagine for Ezra being a very devout person, it would have been kind of disappointing to watch everybody head back and he's not able to go with right, them. Right, exactly. All that excitement and you don't get to go. Yes, but when we come to 458 BC, because the first one takes place um, some years earlier than that, um, we find that Ezra is now in a position where he can go back. Um, and so he heads back and he decides that he's not going to go back by himself. I imagine during this period there was a bit of a dribble of people sort of, you know, um, uprooting themselves and heading off yeah. uh, back to the promised land. 
but the uh, there was the big waves. He he decides to do a big wave himself, and so um, he heads back with around about five thousand Jews, and that's what we read about in chapter eight, right there. Um, the Bible lists the number of you know quite a number of priests and um, um, nobility that head back with him, as well as a bunch of normal people. About fifteen hundred men are listed. And so if you include women and children and servants, then that number would come to around about the 5,000 mark. You know, just going on general statistics in that era. Mm-hmm. Okay, the final big wave was in 445 BC. And that was the one that was led by Nehemiah. We mentioned Nehemiah yesterday, who is, was a cup bearer. Yep. Um, and so these guys were high officials in the, in the uh, court of uh, Persia. Uh, very, very important people. And, of course, Nehemiah goes back not just to restore the temple because the temple has already been built, but he goes back to build a wall around the city because to this point you've got a temple that is full of fabulous wealth and treasure, but it is basically unguarded. And Nehemiah goes back, he takes back with him a Persian of the Persian military, some elite military uh, Persian troops, and they start rebuilding the wall. And, of course, you know, the the Samaritans and so forth, the surrounding nations had always felt somewhat secure in that, you know, they could, you know, kind of basically take Jerusalem whenever they felt like it Mm -hmm. because it was a defenseless city and so it was no threat. But once a wall started to go up, they started to become very, very concerned that this city would become a threat and so they ended up building that wall armed. Oh, really? Absolutely. They hard. did come under attack on one occasion, and when the attackers saw that they weren't going to be up against uh, you know, hammers and shovels, but rather they're going to be up against swords and spears because the uh, the workers on the wall were actually armed. That would have been like quite a difficult thing to build to be building like with a hammer in one hand and a sword in the other. Oh, and that's exactly what the Bible says. Um, that they did, um, it, and it would have slowed their work down, and it did slow their work down. But they still built that wall into in, in amazingly short uh, space of time. In fact, the Bible says that uh, the builders of the wall and the carriers of the load were loading with one hand doing the work and one hand holding the sword. That's Nehemiah four verse eleven. Of course, when they did come under attack, the attackers suddenly realized that, hey, wait a minute, these guys are armed, and eh, do I really want to die today? Probably not. Mm. And they weren't that motivated. They weren't really motivated enough to press home their attack, and so nothing came of it. So that's a short uh, short history of the uh, four different returns. The other thing that is significant with Nehemiah's return is that it did not just um, rebuild the city and the wall and the temple, which were what the uh, previous permissions from the um, the Persian kings had given, but it restored Jewish law. So there was a rebuilding and a restoration of Jewish law. So now they're actually fully functioning as Jewish people in the land of Judah. So with Nehemiah's return, they are fully restored as a nation once again, which they had not been in the past. They had, you know, been very much under under Persian law, and um, and of course, you know, they didn't have their uh, they didn't have the city fully restored, and so that's kind of how it happened: four big waves and. 
probably we don't know, but a drivel of people in between, uh, with a lot of people, of course, staying back in Babylon. Okay, let's go back to the passages that we were reading here. Where did we get up to in... Uh, oh, we're kind of running out of time, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Uh, well... We got up to chapter 2, but you, I, I refused to read it, so we hadn't actually read in chapter 2. Yeah, Mon, Mon piked out. Okay, so this is homework for everybody who is, uh, who is following along with our 20 million movement. You can go and read Ezra chapter 2. And if you can pronounce all the names perfectly, then give us a call. and Pronounce them on air for me. <laughs> prove it to us. Okay, the important thing, I guess, to learn from this passage is in verse 10, the Bible says that Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. Um, and he did that diligently, something that we can all aspire to. He was a scribe. He knew the law of God well. He was able to communicate it to others very well. And we live in a world where we are all, for the most part, literate and have the opportunity of doing exactly what Ezra did, knowing the law of the Lord, knowing it well, and communicating it to every person who is around us. This is Ron and Patty with a psalm. Some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in chariots, and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. They are brought down and fallen. But we are risen and stand upright Some trust in chariots, some in horses But we will remember the name of the Lord our God Some trust in chariots, some in horses But we will remember the name of the Lord our God They are brought down and fallen but we are risen and stand upright. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Are you looking for a way to turn your life experience into an enriching gift for helping those around you? A counselling degree at Avondale College of Higher Education could provide you a great foundation to assist others through life's difficulties. Study in a personalised environment alongside a fantastic support network and community on our Lake Macquarie campus. Apply to study counselling today at counselling.avondale.edu.au. It's higher education designed for life. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. 
This once-in-a-lifetime event as two of our country's best Christian singer-songwriters come together in concert. October 12th, 6.30 at Maitland SDA Church. Call 0413-122-348 now to book your seat. Miss 
Welcome back, everybody. It is question of the day time, and Mon is about to bring us the question of the day just after she gives us another clue for the quiz. What do you got for us there, Mon? The quiz that you don't know the answer to. Is that the one you mean? Is that the one you're talking about? The one that you have no idea what it is? Is that the one? Is the one you mean? I'm pretty sure that's the one you mean. The one they have you like, you zero idea what it is. Just, that's the one, right? Just yep. give us the clue, Let me right? give you the second give clue for the, the one that you have no idea. Okay, what book of the Bible am I? Clue number two. I contain the Lord's test of a true prophet. I contain the Lord's test of a true prophet. Well, there's about ten of those. But it has to be in combination with the word, the, the book of the Bible with the word, <coughs> excuse me, what happened there? It has to be the same book where the word covenant is found most often in the Bible, 29 times. So that was the first clue. Combine that with the second clue. Should get, nope, you're wrong. I love it when Lyle writes down like the first letter. Well, that's the book that contains the nah, test of a true prophet. Nah, I can read wrong. it to you if you like. It's, it's also not the book that does hasn't got the most times the word covenant appearing. Man, I cannot get that sentence out properly. Give us a call if you know the answer. 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. Win yourself a prize this morning. Like, are you Googling? You had better not be Googling the answer right now, young man. I'm Googling in my paper, Google. Okay, okay, fine. That's allowed. Fine. That's fine. Paper. Anyway, it's time for you to Paper answer the question analog, of the day. Analog Google. It's You're going to have to set aside the breakfast Bible quiz and move on to the question of the day. You ready? Yes. Are you distracted? I'm distracted. You're looking up answers, aren't you? I am. I am. <laughs> Lyle, concentrate. Okay, question. This is such a good question. I love this question. Lyle, mm. still not concentrating, are you? No. <laughs> Too bad. I'm going to ask her. I'm going to ask her because you only got three minutes to tell us the answer. All right, right, right. right. I got okay. it. I got it. That's good. That's good. I got you it. haven't got I, it at I've all. Got this. I've got you this. haven't got it at all. I can tell by the pages that you haven't got it. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Okay, here's the question: How is it possible? Like, is it possible that we've lost what day the Sabbath is throughout like all the centuries and decades of Earth history? Is it possible we got it mixed up? We got it confused? Like, are we sure that today is actually Wednesday? Is it possible we got the calendars confused at some point? Today is actually Tuesday, or maybe today is Friday? Like. Is it possible okay. that we've had the it's day really, correct It's a really creation. good question. And creation it, was a long time ago, Lyle. It was. Are we sure we're still on the right day? It's a very, very good question. Um, and it, uh, it really actually illustrates the beauty of the fourth commandment in God creating the Sabbath commandment as something that could not be lost because it's actually impossible to lose the weekly cycle. And I'm going to explain to you why. Now, if you did have any questions on it, you could just simply go back to the time of Jesus and if the weekly cycle had been lost, then obviously Jesus would have made that correction while he was here on this earth. Um, he made no correction to it because there was no need to. And the reason it's impossible to lose, logistically, it is impossible to lose the weekly cycle. Uh, of course, the weekly, weekly cycle is something that comes from God. It does not come from nature as you know y- your day, your month, your year does. The weekly cycle comes uh, directly from God. And it works a little bit like this. Mon, have you ever woken up on Tuesday and thought it was Wednesday? Yeah, hundreds of times. Okay. Have you ever not ever been corrected? 
No, you always find out. Yeah. Partway through the day, you're suddenly going to go, oh, oh, it's not... And you'll, it's, you'll say something like, oh, man, today feels, feels like a Thursday. Yeah, that's right. And someone will be like, yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> okay, so here's, here's why it's logistically impossible. For the weekly cycle to be lost, you have to have everybody make that, mis- that same mistake on the same day. Yeah. And then everybody, don't, not only do they make that same mistake on the same day, but, there is that, but they never correct it. Yeah. And that's, lo- that, that's just logistically impossible. Yeah, no. And so, you know, the weekly cycle is universal around the world. Um, it has been used right across the planet. Um, it has been here for, you know, the last 6,000 years, and it would be just impossible to lose the weekly cycle. And so, yes, we can have absolute confidence we are worshipping on exactly the same Sabbath day, seventh-day Sabbath day that Jesus worshipped on in his day. Um, and, you know, the Bible says that that day, the Sabbath day, is the day that we, you know, we, we remember at Easter time. And, of course, you can, you can look at Christians have uh, kept Easter for, you know, nearly a couple of thousand years, which goes from Good Friday, Easter Sabbath, and Easter Sunday. Of course, Sunday resurrection, Good Friday, the day that he died. Um, Easter Sabbath, the day that he rested in the tomb. Um, along with that, <coughs> Christians have been, sorry, Jews have been keeping the seventh day Sabbath for the last couple of thousand years. Um, and they have not lost it. Uh, Christians have been keeping either Sabbath or Sunday for the last 2,000 years, and they have not lost the weekly cycle. Uh, Muslims have been keeping Friday for what the last 1,600 years, 17, uh, 1,500 years, and they have not lost the weekly cycle. Uh, and so, you know, if you look at your Abrahamic religions, for all of them to lose the weekly cycle at the same time and then never figure it out and nobody ever correct them, it's just, you know, it is abs- actually logistically impossible to lose the weekly, which is the beauty of the Sabbath commandment. Mm-hmm. You know, God gave us one that was impossible to lose track of. Anyway, that is question of the day. If you would like to send your question through, our number is 1-800-324-843 or you can text us on 491 He came home from work last night to find that she's gone. Now he's spending his first Sunday sitting in the pew alone. There are whispers all around him, his heart breaks in two. He's wondering who will reach out and help him make it through. Who will be Jesus to him? Who will show the love that restores him again? doesn't need a judge, he needs a friend. There will be Jesus to him. Ever knew was a kind she buys and sells, but her thirsty heart is searching for a love that will be true. The Savior cries for her to see himself in me and you. Who will be Jesus to her? Who'll show the love? 
that's commanded in His Word. Will she see in us the mighty God we serve? We will be Jesus to her. Wounded people everywhere. And when they look at us, do they see Jesus there? We'll be Jesus to them. Who will show the love that restores them again? They do not need a judge, they need a friend Who will be Jesus to them Who will be Jesus to them Welcome back everybody, you listen to Faith FM and we have come to the end of our show which means that we are about to give something away for free. You're going to give a last clue there, Mon? Do you want me to slip another clue in there? Yeah, this why not? Is book of the Bible am I? Clue number three, all the scriptures quoted by Jesus during his wilderness temptation in Matthew chapter four come from this book originally. <laughs> Lyle looks so confused. I'm in love with it. Okay, that's the uh, that's the quiz of the day. You can give us a call one eight hundred Faith FM. Uh, Lyle is still super wrong, so you can actually win double prizes for that. Uh, in the meantime, there's a giveaway for the day, which you don't have to answer any questions for. You just have to be the first person to call through on one eight hundred Faith FM. Today we're giving away an interesting book. I've picked up a book called Who Are the Seventh Day Adventists. Um, so inside this book, uh, you'll find all about topics like where did the Seventh-day Adventists come from? What do Seventh-day Adventists believe? Believe what are Seventh-day Adventists people like? What is the Seventh-day Adventist church like? And what is the Seventh-day Adventist mission? So we've been talking today a little bit about the Sabbath. You might be wondering what on earth the Sabbath even is. This book will cover that as well. So it's a great little uh, book about you know the history um, and the current state and uh, and hopefully the forward mission of the church, so, Seventh Day Adventist Church. So give us a call if you're interested in that. The number is one eight hundred Faith FM one eight hundred three two four eight four three. Uh, you can text 0491064669. Also the same numbers to call if you would like to learn more about the Bible because we can definitely set you up with a Bible study. If you're keen to come along to hear the Prophetic Code Seminar that's being presented by Lyle and Lawson, uh, you can come along to the Raymond Terrace Missions here in Raymond Terrace in the Newcastle area. It's happening Tuesday, Friday and Saturday nights at 6.30. It's totally free. Do come along. We've had listeners coming along so far and they've been enjoying it. So you can definitely uh, feel welcome to join them. You have a wonderful, blessed day. And we will see you tomorrow morning after the 7 o'clock news here on Faith FM. Um, the breakfast show with Lyle. Lyle is still guessing. You finally got it right, Lyle. You got it right. Nick of time. Nick of time.
sail away to a better day. Let's sail away to a better day. 